Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 through 24, called First Blood. You've noticed when you come in here, I was sharing with Shane in the back, uh, there's a, uh, an account in 2 Kings chapter 3 where Elisha is approached by three kings and they're about to have war with the Moabites. And they ask Elisha to pray. And at first he doesn't want to, but he, he agrees. And when he's about to prophesy, he calls for a minstrel. This is 2 Kings 3.15. This is a side note. He calls for a guitar player. And he says, I want the guitar player to play and then I will prophesy. And there is something that happens when you worship God in song with other brethren. The spirit of the Lord. Amen? You guys feel what I'm saying? The spirit of the Lord starts to minister. He inhabits the praises of his people. Something happens. Shane said it in his prayer. Something lifts from my life. My burdens lift and my focus becomes him. Don't miss the music time. It's really important. And so I say that because there's the Pharaoh going to worship his pagan God in the morning. Many scriptures I could share, to you, share with you, but here's one. Psalm 5.3 says, In the morning, O Lord, Psalm 5.3, Thou will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. In the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. Because if I don't do that, look, I know there's so much going on right now. And I am tempted, just like all of you, to worry about the yesterdays and the tomorrows. But I don't, I don't have control of any of it. All I got, according to Jesus, is today. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough issues. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Just live today. Wrap your life in prayer and the word of God and go out in mission You must be connected apart from him. You can do nothing. nothing. I keep trying to have the Lord prove that to me. If you're like me, I I have to have it proved over and over again. Anybody else like me? In the morning when I rise. Well, Moses is told, I want you to go position yourself and you meet this man. You meet the leader, probably the most powerful leader on the planet. You meet him in the morning. If you're interested, two later plagues begin with similar early morning meetings with the Pharaoh, either by the river or elsewhere. It's the fourth plague in Exodus 8.20 and the seventh plague in Exodus 9.13. You can see Moses intercepts him before he goes to worship his gods. And you shall take in your hand, Exodus 7.15, the staff that was turned into a serpent. Now, here goes the Pharaoh down to the river, and here comes Moses with the staff that was turned into a serpent that recently ate the staffs of the Egyptians. And I think Moses' staff was a little fatter. Can I get a witness? Anyway, he's a little heavier. You know, he had snakes inside it. He had the other staffs. He put on some weight, you know? <laughs> And I think as Pharaoh was walking down to the river and he saw the staff, he started to twitch. 
Oh, there's that. <laughs> Can I have my staffs back? Staff snakes back? No, sorry. They're mine now. <laughs> and there's that same staff, and that staff represents divine power. Represents the power of God. It's the staff of a shepherd, and the Egyptians loathe shepherds. Can't believe a shepherd's staff is getting the best of our magician staffs. What's going on around here? But there's Moses, and the Pharaoh sees that staff, and I'm sure it brought back some bad memories. Gulp. In Numbers 17, uh, I had mentioned to you guys previously that. Uh, one of the things that's put in the Ark of the Covenant, according to Hebrews 9.4, is the staff of Aaron that budded. If you're interested, this is the origin of that number 17, 8 through 10. Just write it down. Now, it came about on the next day that Moses went into the tent of the testimony. And behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, number 17, verse 8, and produced blossoms. And it bore ripe almonds. Look at that. That's a Bible trivia right there. Aaron's staff produced ripe almonds. They were blue diamond, just so you guys know. (laughs) Moses then brought out all the rods from the presence of the Lord to all the sons of Israel. They looked, and each man took his rod. But the Lord said to Moses, put back the rod of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels. Number 17, 8 through 10. Something about this staff and it representing the power of God. It wasn't special in and of itself, but it became special because God set it apart. Let me pause for a second. God can take things in your life that seem to be ordinary and he could set them apart for his purposes so that things begin to blossom. Everybody with me? and grow, and even feed others. And our temptation is to give up on ourselves because we don't think we have the goods, and I got news for you, you don't. But the moment that you realize that, realize that God can set you apart nonetheless to use you to be an instrument of his power, to take the ordinary things and make them extraordinary, that's when things begin to happen. And so... You will say to him, 16, Exodus 7, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, he's identified with his people here, sent me to you. This is what you're going to say to the Pharaoh, saying, let my people go, middle of 16, that they may serve. The word serve is also a synonym for worship. The NIV actually has about as worship. A-B-A-D is the Hebrew word. Worship me in the wilderness, but behold, you have not listened until now. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the water that is in the Nile with the staff that is in my hand, and it shall be turned to blood. And so the God of the Hebrews is the one that Moses represents. He does not represent himself. This is not a conflict between a former princeling in Egypt and the current Pharaoh. This is a contest between the God of Israel and the gods of Egypt. Don't forget that. That's the big picture here. It's not just about Moses and Pharaoh. I will strike the water that is in the Nile, uh, quoting, God is aiming his first bow at the very life support system of Egypt. 
He could not commence at a more critical point. Take away the Nile and its benefits, and Egypt, regardless of its military behemoth, itself dissolves. How would the U.S. do if our main gods died? If they dissolved? What are our gods? What really matters when we have an election in the United States of America? Voting does matter. But I'm talking about, I'm being a critic here. And what matters to people is simply this. It's the economy, stupid. Have you heard that before? That's a quote. It's always about the economy. And so America goes through a year of a plague. And what do we do? We saw the ugliness of our human hearts, did we not? The first run was to the god of toilet paper. Some of you might remember that. We're thinking, what in the world is wrong with people? All right, Get more of it! Get more of it! You'd think they'd be stacking up on beans and rice, but... I was talking to some friends last night, and we were talking about how How do you think the church has done the church in the last year? Talk about the professing evangelical Christian church. What grade would you give us? Kind of saw our hearts revealed in many different ways this last year, right? Saw our fears, our doubts, our divisions. What we really value. Is it God and people or is it other things? Now, we saw some good things as well. (laughs) I was reading a writer this week, and he said, you know, we shouldn't be too hard on the Egyptians. We have our own creation myths as well. We don't sing songs to the gods happy and Osiris, but we believe in Darwinism, which is just really another way to worship happy. In much the same way the Egyptians praise the river as their creator, quoting, many Americans believe that we come from a random stream of genetic material, close quote. And so the God of Israel says to the Pharaoh, I'm going to strike your God. And the reason I'm doing it is that you let my people go because they are not to be worshiping you. They are to be worshiping me. The goal of the Exodus was to free God's people to worship him. And that's the goal of God breaking you free from your former life is he wants you to be free to serve and worship him. Not just to go to church and hear a sermon. To serve and worship him. To use your gifts and the one life that you have to glorify him. Amen? And everything in this world system is going to come at you to battle that. And there's things, obviously, that you have to have in balance in your life. But ultimately, it's about seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. I'm going to turn the Nile that you trust in to blood. If you will, I'm going to kill your gods. They're going to bleed. The word for blood is the word dom in Hebrew. You would spell it D-A-M or D-A-W-M. And even though in Hebrew, blood can be a color, kind of like you've heard of a blood diamond sort of thing, there is no doubt 
even though people will try to use naturalistic explanations that what God did to the river was turn it to blood. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. We are in the holiday season. Families and friends will soon be preparing for a Thanksgiving feast with football playing in the background. Friends will gather around the table for delicious turkey, complete with stuffing, cranberry sauce, creamed corn, and mashed potatoes. Don't forget about the sweet pumpkin pie. You express your thankfulness for your family, friends, church, your hobby, work, and everything the Lord provides. And after all the conversation and fun games, a food coma will follow. Thanksgiving is truly a wonderful day. We appreciate you spreading the word about our program and praying for our ministry. We are forever thankful to our Walk-In Truth financial partners too. The Lord is using you to help keep this broadcast and podcast reaching people daily on this radio station and around the world. Pastor Michael Lance and the team here at Walk-In Truth are sincerely grateful you are listening to this broadcast. And we hope you have a happy and blessed Thanksgiving. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Even though in Hebrew, blood can be a color, kind of like you've heard of a blood diamond sort of thing, there is no doubt, even though people will try to use naturalistic explanations, that what God did to the river was turn it to blood. What kind of blood, you may ask? I don't know. Was it fish blood, animal blood, human blood? I don't know. But I know what the Bible says. The Bible says the river turned into blood. Some people go, we need a naturalistic explanation. Maybe the sun was hitting it the right way and it just looked reddish. Why do you need that? God created blood and water and rivers, and seas, and everything else. That's why you have blood coursing through your veins right now, because he thought it up. Amen? Amen? I don't know. Could the river really turn to blood? Does God really have that power? Oh, yeah. And much more. So I, I read this material and these speculations, and I'm like, why do you need a naturalistic explanation? Because people are naturalists. Miracles bother them. So they have to find other alternatives. Now this is a lengthy quote, but it's worth hearing. Some argue that the plagues in Exodus are merely literary inventions. Others have tried to find some sort of natural explanation for the plagues. In the case of the first plague, it is sometimes suggested that the river did not actually turn red with blood, but merely resembled blood. Perhaps heavy rains in southern Egypt washed red soil into the Nile Delta. Perhaps the river was red with sediment from seasonal flooding, or sediment led to oxygen imbalance, which would account for the river's stench. Or perhaps the Nile was covered with a bloom of reddish algae or inundated with microorganisms. Whatever the precise explanation, some of these scholars admit that the plague was nevertheless an act of God judged, judging Egypt by overruling his creation using natural disasters to show supernatural power. There are several difficulties with this. This is from Riken, with these naturalistic explanations. One is that that they have trouble accounting for the fatality of the fish. 
Another is that they do not explain why there was blood throughout Egypt and not simply in the Nile. Still another difficulty is explaining how the sediment or fungus or whatever it was appeared instantaneously when Moses struck the Nile with his staff. Then there is the plain language of scripture, which clearly states that the water changed into blood. The word change is hafak. It shows a real transformation took place. The word for blood is dom. It is generally refers to any thick red fluid, but uh, generally used to refer not just to any thick red fluid, but to blood, plain and simple. The real problem with trying to explain away this miracle, however, is that a merely natural phenomenon would not have accomplished God's purpose, which was to prove that he was the Lord. If the Nile turned to blood every time there was a downpour somewhere upriver, the sign would be meaningless, close quote. God said, the sign is that you may know that I am the Lord. And the sign is a blow for blow. You killed the Hebrew babies. You wanted to turn the Nile red with blood. So blow for blow, I'll give you back some of your own medicine. And I want you to hold your place in Exodus. And I know this is some, a little bit of difficult stuff, but turn all the way to Revelation 16. I want you to see the judgments of the bowls. If you've been around Christian circles, you know there's a big debate in Christian circles as to whether or not the book of Revelation is fulfilled at the fall of Jerusalem or if it has some future implications to our world. And I want you just to see this for what it is and be thinking about the plagues in Egypt. Revelation 16, 1. I heard a loud voice from the temple. Revelation 16, 1. If you're having trouble finding Revelation, we can talk later. (laughs) But it is the last book of your Bible. I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God, 16.2. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and it became a loathsome and malignant sore on the people. We're going to see this in the plagues in Exodus later. Who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became what? Blood like that of a dead man. And every living thing in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of waters and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, righteous are you who are and who were, O Holy One, because you judge these things. For they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with fierce heat and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these, what? Plagues. And they did not repent so as to give him glory. Now, I wanted you to look at verses three and four just to see with the plague of the sea or the bowl judgment and the plague on the rivers and the springs, they become blood. And the blood is a... Uh, judgment in the book of Revelation. And here's what I would just say to you, going back to something I said just a minute ago. I don't know how you see that as symbolic, that language. I don't know how you see that as fulfilled in the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. 
I will agree that some of the book of Revelation does apply to the past, but I would also argue that you are really stretching your interpretation to then say this is not going to be literally fulfilled at some point. And I want you to imagine, and this is a scary thought, but go back to the book of Exodus, and here's the good news. If you belong to the Lord, you won't be here for the day of the Lord wrath. Praise God. Amen. You won't be here for his wrath. You might go through some trouble, but you won't be here for his wrath. But the world is going to experience judgments that are unthinkable. And here's the thing. Even as the judgments fall, we just read, they won't repent. Instead, they blaspheme God. They don't turn to him. When Jesus did his miracles in Mark 2.10, this is in regard to the paralytic, he said, in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, take up your pallet and go home. And here's my point. God is doing these things that the Egyptians may know that he is God. You could also uh, see this as evangelistic. And so Moses is told that the fish that are in the Nile will die, Exodus 7, 18. The Nile will become foul as this plague occurs. The Egyptians will find difficulty in drinking water from the Nile, I'll say. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, 19, over their streams, over their pools, over all their reservoirs of water, that they may become blood, and there shall be blood throughout all the land, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. You've been listening to First Blood Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 through 24. And as always, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't even feel like talking, but you could use some prayer, we have pastors on staff that would love to do that with you. You can call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, you may be wondering once again about Okay, is there some modern way that the Lord might do this today, like sub-miraculous plague or something that might happen? Well, you know, when you start to look at the world and you start to think about what's happened over time, it's not easy for us to put our finger on, you know, are these uh, simply things that happen in nature? Are these acts of God? You know, we just came off COVID and people were asking, you know, is the Lord trying to get our attention uh, what's, what is behind this? You know, when things happen, we don't always have to know the reason why, but we need to be asking the what question, perhaps what might the Lord be saying to us in this situation, whatever the origin may be, whether it's divine or natural or some somewhere in between. And so here's the question that I would ask you, has the Lord been trying to get your attention Maybe it's not been through, you know, something like the Nile turning into blood or something like that. But maybe there's been some things going on in your life. You know what they are for you. And they've been somewhat out of the ordinary. 
You've been running into Christians everywhere. Maybe you've had some uh, close calls or some some things that you've never thought about before. And you're like, what's going on here? Well, there's a God who loves you. And he's trying to get your attention. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm here. I'm listening. What would you say to me? And the first thing I think he would say is trust my son. Trust the gospel. I put my love on display at that cross. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sin, rose from the dead. I want you to believe in him. This is how I'm glorified that you believe in my son. And so if we can help you in any way with that, it's walkintruth.com. You can click on the church tab. You can reach out, send us a message, walkintruth.com, or you can call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. And reach out to a pastor today. But you know what? The best thing that you can do is reach out to God. He's not far from each one of us. He made you. He loves you. Cry out to him to save you today. And again, if we can help you in any way, it's walkintruth.com. Well, we'll be here tomorrow, Lord willing, for the final message on First Blood. See you then. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, all to help more people like you dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month, or you can give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 through 24, called First Blood. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.